Let me read to you out of Matthew, right over here, please. Matthew 1.16, it says, And Jacob was the father of Joseph, who married a woman named Mary, and it was Mary who gave birth to Jesus, and it was Jesus who is the Savior and the Anointed One. This is in Matthew, and if you read this Christmas story in Matthew, it starts out with the genealogy or the family tree of Jesus, and that's your first fill-in. Jesus' genealogy or his family tree, was riddled with people who had made big mistakes. Now, we've all had family reunions or family Thanksgivings or family Christmases that you have that family member that shows up that has ruined the family name. They've drugged the family name through the mud. But it's interesting to note that even Jesus in his lineage had people that had been made mistakes. But in spite of the sin and scandal, Jesus still came to a little town called Bethlehem. That even though in the lineage of Jesus that you see people like Rahab, who was a prostitute, and Tamar, and just different ones, and and King David, and uh, Moses, and all these people that make big mistakes in their life, in spite of the big mistakes, Jesus still came. In spite of the racism and sexism, Jesus still came to this planet called Earth in the town called Bethlehem. Though people had forgotten God, Jesus came. It's funny to note that at the time Jesus came, that the world basically was godless. That you did have people that were Jews and so forth that were following what the Old Testament and that kind of thing happened. But for the most part, people that lived on the planet were without God. So if you can imagine, unfortunately, we live in the buckle of the Bible belt in the United States right here in Texas... And so we don't know what it's like to be without the signage or the visibility of God. But can you imagine what Bethlehem, Jerusalem, all that area was like that there were not people that were following after God. But in the midst of a big mess, Jesus came. That maybe you're in here tonight and you're in a big mess. You might be in a big mess that no one else knows about, but in spite of it being in a big mess, Jesus still came. Have you ever felt like your life was a mess? There have been times that I know, this is kind of funny, I remember when right out of college, and that's why I love our college age that served the Lord. I did a conference uh, probably about a month ago that was put on by a bunch of college-aged Uh, young people and as a matter of fact one of them was Alex Birkins who we're going to have at the beginning of the year and I'm so impressed by young men like Alex Birkins who at his age when I was his age there was a time in my life that I I was still going to church but my heart was not for the Lord so I, I love it when I see college age young people that say you know what I'm still in spite of the draw that force that pull of the world I still I'm going to serve the Lord. But maybe you're not away from God, but maybe your life is still sometimes a big mess. I like this translation that I found called The Voice in Colossians, a bit of a paraphrase. It says this. It says, for everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got its start with Jesus, and I like this, and finds its purpose In him, he was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. 
that when we think about the Christmas story, let's fast forward to 2016 right now. When we think about our lives, that because of Bethlehem, Jesus stepped into this world and I, and I needed fixing. I needed help. I needed assistance. And this scripture says that he stepped into my life and as a matter of fact, everyone's lives and is holding it together. Born in your next feeling, born in Bethlehem was the maker of everything and everyone. And isn't it sobering to know even the people that have nothing to do with God. I, I, we mentioned last week the, this, the atheists that are putting out billboards that says, make Christmas great again, skip church. <laughs> That's like saying, let's have a birthday party for Caitlin, but make sure Caitlin doesn't come to the birthday party. <laughs> Wrote Philippians 4, 6, and 7 out of the message says this, do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And what will happen? Jesus' peace will keep your thoughts and your heart quiet and at rest. You will trust in him. Because of Bethlehem, peace came. You're feeling, it may have been a manger. It may have been a feeding trough. It may have been farm animals and hay. But it was the birthplace of the Prince of Peace. That looking back, if, you're, if I went too fast, it may have been a manger. It may, he may have been let, laid down in a feeding trough. It may at that moment may have been hay and animals, but make no mistake. Because of Bethlehem, the prince of peace came into this world. I like what Psalmist David said in Psalms 11, 3 and 4. He said, when all that is good falls apart, what can good people do? Look at verse 4. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his throne in heaven. That because of Bethlehem, because Jesus came. I think the significance is this. Have you ever gone through some, a, a time in your life where somebody was concerned? I had this happen yesterday. I was talking with another teacher who was dealing with a difficult situation. If you don't know, I teach school. And I remember telling this teacher, it was a female teacher, I said, it's going to be all right. And she looked at me and she said, you can say that because you're a man. And she wasn't being condescending. She was just saying that women think differently. I said, you're absolutely right. I don't have the point of reference that she had from a female perspective of what she was going through. There's just, I don't. All I could say was, Michelle, I know it's going to be okay. And I don't have your perspective. But I can't offer what I can offer from this side. Do you realize that when it comes to our life in Christ Jesus, he has our perspective. He knows what it's like. There won't be ever a time in our life that Jesus can say, let me offer you some advice, but I've never been what you, where you've been through. I've never experienced what he has experienced everything 
that we've ever experienced. The word of God says, like we said last week, yet without sin. So he knows what it's like to be me. And I like tying this into Psalms right here. Not only does he know what it's like to be me, but he sits upon a throne in my time of trouble. Mary and Joseph, what heroes. Mary and Joseph believed for the best in the middle of bad circumstances. If you just think about, your wife is, I don't know, six, eight, nine months pregnant. I don't know what Mary was. She's sitting on the back of a donkey, being taken to Bethlehem, where they can't find any place to stay. They end up staying in a barn, basically. She gives birth in a barn. (laughs) Think about this, ladies. Once again, I have no perspective here, but think about, you're going to give birth in a barn. (laughs) That's bad circumstances. Let's also think about the perspective of Joseph receiving baby Jesus as his own, knowing that that wasn't his child. And it wasn't it wasn't, uh, what do you call it, any question that Mary was unfaithful to him, but in the world's eyes and those around him, those peers, can you imagine? There's Mary and Joseph, and we've done the timetable, and she was pregnant before they were married. Can you imagine the whole town talking about these people that were about to be married And to add insult to injury, this couple claims, I don't know if they said this outwardly, claims to be having the Son of God. That's a great way to cover up that you guys did what you shouldn't have done. (laughs) But can you imagine the ridicule and what they felt like and what they endured? But in the midst of it, Mary says, be it unto me according to your will. In the midst of it, in the midst of a bad circumstance, they believe the best. When everything shakes, God remains unshaken. God wasn't caught by surprise in anything that happened in Bethlehem. He wasn't caught off guard by anything that occurred. I know I would have been. Mary and Joseph proved to be simple people with a big purpose for their lives. I think the thing is that we think about Christmas and we think about Jesus, we think about the magnitude of him coming to the planet, but I don't know that I filter me into it. And the truth is that, that I am a simple person, that you and I, we're simple people, but in spite of being simple and plain, God still has a great purpose for our lives. They had very little to offer the Son of God. Have you ever felt like you had very little to offer the Son of God? But in spite of outwardly having very little, inwardly, Mary and Joseph presented their hearts, their full hearts, to what God's plan was. They gave Jesus their all and raised the Son of God. God's not asking for people with impressive resumes to follow him. God's not asking for people at the end of 2016 that have done a lot, a lot of good things and right things, and then he's impressed with you, and he's going to really do something powerful in your life in 2017. Because I don't know about you, but I know about me, and I can't present to him anything that I think is very impressive. But in spite of that, God is wanting and willing to take all that we have 
and do something amazing with it. I love this quote right here. Did I skip one? There were simple people, which may have been, oh, that's it, I skipped that. There were simple people, which may have been why God chose them. Have you ever been around people that were full of themselves? Don't point. <laughs> Don't stand up. <laughs> that's me. No. <laughs> Here's what I've figured out when, around people that are, think of themselves a little bit higher than they should, is that I'm not comfortable around them. I feel uneasy. And it has nothing to do with me. But have you ever been around somebody that was just comfortable in their own skin? You didn't have to be something different. You could just be you. You could be, and how does that person make you feel? I don't know about you, but for me, I feel welcomed. I feel, I feel at ease. I feel like I don't have to pretend. I feel like I don't have to make up stuff. I, I, I'm fully comfortable. And, and that was the place that Mary and Joseph found themselves before the Lord. It's that they had nothing impressive to offer God other than willing hearts. And you have to think that God really just kind of rocked their world. Turned their worlds upside down. Who am I going to pick on? Because right here, if you can think about it, John, you get to be picked on. Here we go, John. I have an announcement to make. You're now the proud father of this baby. This is a little damp because it just came out of the washer, but here you go. Hold it right. Hold, hold the head. Hold the head, John. Okay, now you can have a seat. There you go. Congratulations. That just came out of the dryer, so it's a little bit damp, but that's okay. You look good. That Look at you, John. You feel comfortable with that? Yeah. Well, let me know. You're going to need some help because, John, you're not going to be able to breastfeed that baby. <laughs> you're going to need some help. So you're going to you're gonna have to feed that baby every now and then, all right? Oh, you're good. Look at you. Just stepping into the role. But I have some more bad news, John. As precious as that baby is, it's going to poop. So guess what? You're going to need some help with that. But I've got good news for you, John. Because these things right here, it says they hold 12 to 18 pounds. So, guess <laughs> so you'll have to change them like every four or five, seven days, something like that. There you go, John. 12 to 18 pounds of poop, John. That's going to be a mess. But good thing you only have to do it every once in a while. Now, can you imagine? Most scholars believe, how old are you, John? You're too old. Most believe Mary was about 16. Can you imagine your life being interrupted by God? And being placed on you. And we're just talking about a natural baby. You can give that to Allie. You want. You're like, he's like, no, I really want to keep this. <laughs> but can you imagine your life being interrupted? And I wonder, I wonder what God is trying to interrupt our life with right now. You have to think about what, what did Mary and Joseph do? They were willing. In our own cluttered lives, 
Jesus comes. Because of Bethlehem in our own cluttered and... Uh, who right now has laundry all over your room? Clean or dirty? <laughs> Now, I do right now, and I, I do laundry in my living room, so every couch is covered. It's folded, but it's all covered with laundry because I, <laughs> you got excited about that laundry, brother. Not to move. <laughs> Taking out fixtures in this church. But I'll tell you right now that if you were coming to my house right now, I would say, give me about 15 minutes because I'm going to take every piece of that laundry that is folded all over the place and get rid of it somehow, some way, because I don't want you to see the clutter in my life. Here's the cool thing about God is that God already knows your clutter and he still is interested in invading your heart. Jesus does not come with a list of things to do, I love this, but with a list of things that he's already done. I think we miss that message of the cross that the cross of our Christ Jesus does not come with a list of Jonathan, fix this in your life or else. But he comes with a list of everything that he's done. The truth is, your next feeling, because of Bethlehem, your death has been defeated. Because of Bethlehem, your sin is forgiven. I like this next one. Because of Bethlehem, your fears are replaced with his courage. I think Mary and Joseph found out how much courage was available to them by God. Because of Bethlehem, your questions are replaced with his guidance through it all. I don't know what tomorrow, I don't know what 2017 holds, I don't know, but I do know this. I need his guidance through it. Jesus came to lift our burdens. I, I, I like this last part that I'm going to kind of wind everything down with. And this is, this is good to know. Worship still draws Jesus' heart. Your worship, your words, your song, your voice, your adoration still draws his heart. Worship was the very first one of the first experiences of Jesus' birth. That if you think, what happened before the baby shower, before the, before the nursery was decorated, before, before he was taken and christened at the church, before any of that, before Jesus was even given his first bath, worship was one of the first experiences of Bethlehem. Luke 2.13, suddenly the angel was joined with a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God, verse 14. And they were saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. They sang, and peace on earth for all those who are pleasing, in verse 15. And when this great army of angels had returned again to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, come on, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this wonderful thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us, that these shepherds, these farmers, these ranchers of sorts, that their first encounter with the living Christ, their first encounter was not a preacher, was not a message, was not a church. Their first encounter was angelic worship. Taylor, if you'll come on down. When Jesus is, the, is not the center of all praise, we set ourselves up for disappointment. 
I can tell you that the most disappointing times in my life have come when my heart is not in praise toward him. Worship Jesus, the one whose love never fades. Open your heart to your shepherd that you can look at a nativity scene and you can see wise men and you can see shepherds and you can see angels or whatever else a nativity might provide. But think about the shepherds represented in there and that there is a shepherd of our soul and that he is wanting to open our, for us to open our hearts. One moment before his throne brings more purpose than a lifetime away from him. One moment. Like the angels, make a big deal about the arrival of the king. At that moment, with a few shepherds, heaven was declaring its victory by worship. That I've always said this. I hope God has this recorded. I hope there was some sort of media team that had the, that had the wherewithal to film this. Because when I get to heaven, I want to see some. I want to see some of this footage. I want to spend like the first thousand years just replaying this. And and I don't know about you, but I'm I'm like a little kid. You know, little kids, they watch the same movie over and over. My nephew, uh, Samuel, over here, he watched, I don't know, he watched Jingle All the Way, or maybe that was Ben. Jingle All the Way is the worst Christmas movie ever, and they watched it about 50 times in one day. And that's going to be me in heaven. I want to see that again, God. I want to see that again when, when the angelic host lit up the sky. The truth is the enemy still can't handle Jesus-centered worship. He still can't handle it. Closing with this, Romans 12, 3. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. That this basic teenage couple, Joseph was a, quite a bit older than Mary, but not too much older. Mary probably was in her teenage years. But they humbled themselves under the mighty hand of God and got and got greatly rewarded for it. I like this quote right here. How much larger your life would be if yourself could be smaller in it. When we first moved into our house, when we moved to Texas, across the street was this, it was just field. It was open. No houses were built there yet. And so it's kind of lumpy and hilly and so forth and we would dig and build stuff in it but I'll tell you one of our favorite thing, things to play because it was hilly and I was never good at this because I was the smallest and the scrawniest but we always played king of the hill king of the mountain so we'd stand on top of that mountain and wait for somebody to come push us off of it. It's really kind of a reckless game <laughs> I got a concussion falling off this mountain of dirt but how much of our lives are we with God and sometimes with other people playing king of the mountain, insistent on being at the top? And I love that quote by Chesterton. How much better my life would be if there was less of me. Because of Bethlehem, <clears throat> gentleness and humility entered the world. As a matter of fact, Matthew said, Jesus said, I am gentle and I am humble in heart. Though Jesus was king over all, and he's king over all to this day, he is close to the humble. 
is close to the meek. Jesus looks for hearts that are like his, willing to lower themselves to glorify God. Bethlehem was the most unlikely place for the most magnificent gift of Jesus. Maybe you're here tonight and your heart doesn't seem like a likely place. Bless you. Your heart doesn't seem like a likely place. Maybe you've served God for years. Maybe you've gone to church all your life, and that's okay, but there's, there definitely can be times in our lives where we don't think my heart is the most unlikely place for the gift of God. But because of Bethlehem, your heart has been made the habitation of God, just as you are, right as you are.